Hello, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 41 of Theatre Forward. This week's conversation is with Forward Theatre's Director of Marketing, Scott Hayden, and two artists who are integral to the success of our virtual production of Lifespan of a Fact, Noel Stolmack and Kathy Whitman. Hello. Hello, all. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Morning. So, so Noel and Kathy, for those of um, our listeners who don't know you, can you give us just a a brief history of, um, you know, your work, who you are. Uh, Kathy, do you want to start? Oh, I was just about to say Noel should go first. <laughs> well, Noel could go first. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Uh, I'm here. Um, well, I went to Marquette University in Milwaukee, fell in love with Wisconsin right off the bat, um, and I majored in theater and broadcasting. I always knew somehow I was going to meld these two things. I can't say I saw this coming particularly, but, um, you know, the video camera, my parents got a video camera for Christmas when I was a sophomore in, in college and I picked it up and I put it to my eyeball and I said, this is the tool. This is the thing that I'm going to tell stories with. And the second thing I said was, I have to take this to the theater. I have to show the behind the scenes. You know, it was always about the process for me and sharing what I thought so was so fascinating about theater. And that really, um, I still do the same thing now. Every day I take cameras into theaters and I show people what's going on there and help spread the word about the art and get people interested and sell tickets and raise money and just uh, keep this art form going forward. And um, in recent years, working with Noel at different companies, I've started to get involved in video projection. You know, video is starting to be used even when we're back in the theater more and more as a way to enhance the scenery or take the scenery in a different direction. Especially, um, Noel and I met on opera projects and opera is an art form that sort of takes theater even further in a lot of ways. I mean, I think spectacle is a really big deal in opera. And so um, some of the things you can do with video um, are really exciting. So, so that's where I'm at. Cameras and theaters. Uh, cameras moving the theater into the camera is a little different story. But um, I also have said to many people, I've never gone wrong doing something Noel Stolmack recommended I do, and that uh, continues to be true. I was very happy to be involved in this. It's a great process. We'll talk about the process of moving the camera into your house <laughs> and doing theater in, in just a little bit. And Noel, you and I have worked together um, a lot over the years. And uh, this is kind of a transition from your usual lighting design work. But tell us, tell us about your, your history. Well, you know, it's a transition, but I uh, I come from um, a family of photographers, and um, my father was a television director, television news director. So between 
uh, growing up, um, going to the studio with him at CBS and um, my sister, who was an equity actress. So going to see a lot of regional theater um, when she was involved, um, this project kind of felt natural to me. And um, Kathy uh, and I have been working together now, I don't know, more than 10 years. And every time we work on a project together, it feels like such a natural process. And she bails me out on every single project. And it's such a pleasure. I always feel guilty because I'm always like, well, I hope it's not gonna be awful, but it's just such a pleasure to collaborate with Kathy. And I'm glad that um, she was able to uh, help us out on this project, which initially there was no video editor on the scene at all. And I think her contribution has really um, turned this into what we were hoping it would be. Um, it really is, an, it, it's a play, but it's in a completely different platform. So thanks, Kathy. Indeed. Well, even in a short period of months, we went from, uh, well, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to do the lifespan of a fact in the playhouse. So we're going to have to do it virtually. Uh, then we went from, um, you know, is it a Zoom production? Uh, then I know, Scott, you jumped in with, there, there are other ways to do this than just a simple Zoom recording. Um, and we started talking about how this can be done. I know that our director, Joe Hanretti, and Noel, you started with a storyboard. And then that's, where were we in the process when we said, you know what, a video, video editor is how, how this is going to work. Because remember, at the beginning of this process, we were going to record this whole show. It was important that we record the whole show from beginning to end like a play. And somewhere along the line, we changed. We we morphed into a into a new a new thing. And I don't quite remember what the process of that was, or when when did the light bulb go off when we said we need to do something kind of revolutionary. It, well, quali quality control, I think, was the number one. Uh, factor uh, from the very beginning of the brainstorming process. And so that was what we always had at the forefront was how do we create the most high quality version of this play? Um, there was a lot of Zoom theater that was going on, uh, but it, a lot of it was predominantly done live. Uh, so it was a lot of it um, experienced a lot of technical issues. So internet connection was a big problem. Um, the quality of the feed, the quality of the images, um, the the level of challenges that producing something live with any kind of extra effects, um, all of that kind of played into the decision to to pre-record. Um, but then it was how do we solve the puzzle of pre-recording uh, a play, um, but allowing actors to interact with each other, but also recording the experience at the same time. Um, and that was that was a bit of a puzzle to 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 break apart and figure out. Uh, I think we came up with a solution. I don't know if it's the only solution, but it definitely worked for our process. And that's kind of where we started. And that's how we, we kind of, we, we approached it from that angle, I think. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the process. Cause remember Scott, we were on the road, the road to webcams. 
and looking around for what camera would be good. And then I, I'm positive it was you that came and said, you know what? Everybody's using iPhones. They're recording with iPhones. And I've checked the quality and I think we can do it with iPhones. And that was kind of I think, revolutionary. I think I owe it all to uh, my wife's obsession with American Idol. Uh, which was playing uh, in the early parts of the the, the shutdown and the pandemic, and um, and so I, I remember I remember noticing that the quality of these contestants and they're they're performing these songs in their homes and they're broadcasting it on nationwide television. Uh, that the quality was really good and the sound wasn't too bad. And uh, I wondered how they did that. And so I did. We just did a little research and realized and found out that they were. Um, they just sent iPhones to the contestants' homes with a little sound rig um, and some tripods and some ring lights, and they they recorded all that content remotely in that way. And that's kind of where it, it took off from there. We we did we did not to get too technical about it, but we did try and look at a lot of different versions of webcams and could we could we stream the feed of the webcam somewhere else, and then somewhere else could be the place that records it. Uh, but we realized that just technology, as amazing as it is right now, doesn't, it's just not consistent enough. Um, asking someone in another part of the country to stream a high quality video feed to another part of the country and have it all work in real time is, um, is just some, not something that we, we, had the, we had the capacity to do. So um, we had to find another way around it. And so it evolved from webcams to let's just get a nice, a quality device in the actor's homes but that also didn't require them all to have to record on a video camera and then put it on their own computers and then send those files off to a video editor um, because everyone has a different computer. You, you know, some computers are old, they can't handle new software, things like that. Um, but we realized that at an iPhone, everyone knows how to use a cell phone. Everyone knows how to take a photo and send it to someone else. And so all the actors really had to do um, was record themselves and then send those video files on to the editor. Um, it got a little more complex than that, uh, but uh, but that's where it started. Well, no, the um, cameras were, uh, the iPhones were originally sent to you. You kind of programmed them all and explained to the actors how it worked. Can you, can you tell, um, tell us how, how it was rigged in the actors' homes and what they actually had to do to send their feed over to Kathy? Well, what we did was um, basically wipe the phones of any extraneous information. I also wanted to have them all set up identically so that when we were having to troubleshoot from a distance, it was there were no roadblocks. Um, so uh, we used uh, a $15 application um, from the App Store, which people are shooting feature films on right now. It, it's... I'm not going to say it's completely uh, bug-free, but I, I'd say it's about 95% of the way there. Uh, a simple reboot uh, resolves issues. Um, we uh, had the actors um, set up a the content. Well, I set up a content management system, which is all a component of the application, so that when we were receiving files, um, we had consistent take numbers, time codes, um, and character names. So when footage was uploaded, we knew what we were receiving. Um, stage management kept a log of 
takes. So we knew uh, what the preferred takes were, you know, what take could be used if necessary, um, and the, the timestamp. Um, and uh, set up an iCloud account. Um, I mean, Kathy and I did a lot of experimentation before we distributed the cameras to the actors. And what we learned, and it was a concern from the beginning of the process, um, uh, bandwidth. Uh, the, the actors ran the gamut of, of good to, in some cases, really troublesome bandwidth. Um, so what we were planning on doing was having the actors um, transmit the uh, files directly into Dropbox because the application is set up quite well to uh, be able to manage that. Uh, but what we learned is that if we leave the platform, um, the upload times were um, crippling. Like we could not get work done. We already knew that we needed to set time aside during each day, during act because these are equity actors. So they have a finite amount of hours they're allowed to work. We already knew that we were going to have to set aside time for um, upload, you know, and we wanted to minimize how much time we were going to lose as a result of that. So in any case, Kathy figured out that if we stay within the platform um, and have the files go to the cloud, iCloud, it was much more efficient. So what I ended up doing during the process so that uh, designers and our director could see the footage um, somewhat real time is during the, re the recording process, I would uh, manage the iCloud files and then I would move them over to a Dropbox folder because I've got um, uh, a lot of bandwidth. So that hopefully by the time the director had given notes on something else. He had received the file and could scan it. The costume designer was able to look at the file like, what do you think, too much eye makeup on so-and-so or so-and-so decided not to shave today. Is this gonna be a problem? Do we? So we were still able to collaborate much like we were sitting at a tech table together. Um, there just was uh, a, there wasn't a lag per se. We just rearranged the fashion in which we discussed things while we waited for uh, technology to um, catch up to us. So it, it was interesting how after a few hours, we really did develop a, a an efficient routine given what we were doing. And we learned so much as a result of everyone being able to review the dailies as well. We just look and see okay, well, we need to make a change with respect to the lighting because, you know, the one of the fixtures is, is burning through the lens. You know, Kathy, can you rotoscope this now? Let's try and, you know, make an adjustment. And Kathy, what, how did this process differ from what you've done in the past? Or is it, is it pretty similar to what, what you've been doing in your career? Mm. That's a good question. I mean, we're in uncharted territory all the way around right here. Um, I have done a couple other pandemic projects that were most, they were a little more um, abstract. You know, I would have, this was an opera project, but singing actors, singing uh, opera singers uh, were shooting things and sending it to me. And then we were putting them together into, it was a, 
uh, Lady Macbeth project. So it was her nightmare and it was a place that allowed for a little bit more um, abstract art making. This was more, we needed actors to have a conversation. We needed, we needed them to be in sync with each other. We needed them to see each other, talk to each other. Um, so, so this was a new process. It's, um, I was really impressed with the kind of the winds blowing in to my house. I need weather stripping. <laughs> um, I was really impressed with the system that developed. And I think a whole lot of care went into defining that system to designing it. But then we pivoted on a few things really quickly. Uh, Noel's ability to be present, to take on that. Um, that was kind of a. Um, I had expected to help do a lot of that content management, but I wasn't able to be at every shoot. We had, I, my assistant editor and I had blocked out time in the evenings to take the footage and turn it around, to put those two iPhone shots next to each other on top of the background so that the team could really visualize what it was gonna look like. And I wasn't able to be at every rehearsal, but Noel was there to light the rehearsals and therefore was able to be able to move that footage along in real time. That was huge. Being able to um, see everything right away. And then I could jump in and put it together in the evening. So in the mornings, you could look at what we did yesterday. I'm not sure it would have been as effective if, Noel, you hadn't been at every rehearsal and, and giving real-time direction, really. And that storyboard, too. I mean... Well, we I, should I, talk I, about that because that was the key to the whole process. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, and what the director created, too. Um, uh, Joe Hanready uh, took that script and he basically wrote a screenplay based on the script, at least the things that he saw in his mind. Um, but then Noel took that and actually, you know, and then created a storyboard. Although Noel should explain her process because it's, it's really, it's really brilliant. Well, um, you know, I knew that given that we were all going to be collaborating digitally, um, it, we needed to make sure that we had a roadmap that everyone uh, understood and um, was happy with. And the fashion in which the storyboards came along is that um, Joe created the first draft of the script with stage directions and some um, directions as well with respect to um, how the shots were managed. And I made a pass at storyboarding and then we had a long meeting with the set designer, Joe Varga, um, to discuss how the storyboards look and how they would inform the next draft of the script. So both of the Joes were able to see how Joe Varga's um, initial round of renderings would work um, within the given aspect ratios and how they related to the actor's frames, which we purposefully placed against back backgrounds because, you know, here's a little bit of a tangent, but we decided pretty quickly in or pretty early in the process that we didn't want to do virtual backgrounds um, just because uh, at our level of production, um, they would always be glitchy and distracting. Um, and while we did not record this in Zoom, um, we knew that we were going to be 
using that language to help to tell the story. So that's why we said, okay, we're going to place the actors in neutral spaces and that neutral space was black so that they all, so they could be in separate rooms or they could be sitting next to each other on a couch um, and just take away that, that variable of, of having them in separate colored rooms, which is a, it's a common way to approach this. But in any case, the shooting scripts inform the storyboard. The storyboard informs the different iterations of the shooting script. And then the storyboards allow us to set up the shots to determine, okay, are we shooting in portrait or landscape? Is this a shot that is going to be a portrait that is going to then be cropped so it appears to be landscape because an actor is sitting in the scene? Or is Kathy going to adjust the aspect ratio of the actor frame because the actor is standing? But in, for instance, one of the actors had an extremely small area in which to shoot. So we really had to uh, make some adjustments regarding how we were going to approach his shots because he had standing shots, he had sitting shots, he had a shot where he had to wrestle with his backpack um, because he just, he didn't have the throw. Um, and, you know, the story, so we adjusted the storyboards as we went as well in hopes that we could give as much information to Kathy as possible so that she had the same roadmap we did to be able to put this content together efficiently. It, I am so proud of this production and, and what, what we did with it. And I do think um, regardless of a vaccine, regardless of what the world looks like in, you know, a year, six months, I think there will still be a, a desire for virtual content. One of the things that, um, one of the silver linings of this is that friends from other, my sister in Colorado Springs was there on opening night. And that was fun. I think there will still be a desire for this virtual content. So I want to ask all three of you going forward, because we will still need to do this, what have we learned in this process that like, um, we know this, um, this worked for this production, but here's what I would do in the future. Uh, Kathy, do you have any thoughts on that? Whatever you do, don't change your stage management team. <laughs> they are amazing. Agree. You know, it, of all Sarah of the Debbie heinous and Abby Hess, they're awesome. And about. of all of the roles in the theater that had to pivot, everybody had to change. You know, the costume designer had to design from afar. Scenic designer becomes a sketch artist. You know, he designed those wonderful illustrations and everybody adjusted. But stage management became a, a, a totally different thing. They managed a film here. And it was, you know, all along the way, it was really important to remember this was a play. We were presenting a play in a digital format. We weren't trying to make a film. And one of the first reactions we got when people started looking at rough cuts was this feels like a play. It feels like I'm watching a play. Um, and stage management, being able to make that shift and using the tools that we use in the theater um, to continue to use a language that everybody was familiar with and figuring out how to take the content, which was now film, and get it to us, uh, the spreadsheets they came up with to design uh, 
uh, what, how the scenes would break down, how they would shoot different things was, was just great. And one thing about the storyboard that's so important is it helps everybody visualize what the scenes are going to look like, but really the transitions. How do we get from this scene to that scene? Um, because it's one of those things, not working in this medium, it's hard to realize, oh, but if this guy's still reacting when she walks in, when did they? Dis- when can we make our cuts um, to make changes? You need a cutaway. You need to go to a to an illustration, or we need something. There were several scenes that they developed this very interesting overlap that we would start shooting the next scene with the end of the last one. And there were so many potential bombs in there for me to end up not having a cut point. Um, They were all solved. Stage management saw them all coming and had designed a, a shooting plan to avoid that. And that's because they used the storyboard to do that. That was my favorite when I watched the final version. I hate to say it, but I also was sitting in two weeks of take after take after take. I mean, I've memorized this this play. That was my favorite thing to watch um, were the transitions because they really were beautiful. Um, And they really were a collaboration of of everyone um, involved. And stage management um, was brilliant in managing. I mean, basically, they functioned as an assistant director in the film world to tell all of us what, how these shots needed to be framed. Um, and I, I can't go any further without giving credit to the actors who were their own crew. And, you know, in the very beginning, as the lighting designer, I was setting up their lighting for them and looking at sample clips and making changes. But by the time we got to, after we had the rough cut shot, I so trusted the actors, you know, they would say, do you need me to send you a clip? And I'd say, you're looking at the remote. What do you see? Do you see anything that concerns you? So we got to a point where they were only sending me clips when they thought this doesn't, this isn't looking good in the remote because I was looking at them through a zoom. I wasn't looking at them through, nor was the director. This was a challenge. No one was. No one was looking at the actor through the camera that was shooting them. We had a, not to give any secrets away, but we had a rehearsal Zoom room um, with all of the inherent issues with Zoom um, where we all resided. And then we would take ourselves off camera and mute when they were actually doing a shoot. And then the actors had one or two Zoom rooms that had their acting partners in it so that they were able to make eye contact, Zoom eye contact um, with their acting partner or their acting partners. And again, in some cases, it was multiple Zoom rooms going on, but that way they were able to help to establish their eye lines so that they appeared to be looking at the person with whom they were sharing the scene. So on top of the normal stuff that actors have to deal with, they were dealing with all of this other tech and really managed it so professionally and elegantly. If any of them had um, shut down, (laughs) we wouldn't have what we had, but they all were, were fantastic. And thankfully we didn't do things like 10 out of 12s or, 
you know, we, we kept the days to a reasonable amount of time, six hour, in some cases, longer days, because by the end of the day, people were just exhausted because of so much more processing than one normally has to do during tech, um, except for set designers who are always seeming to design other projects. <laughs> no, I have a question for you. Uh, this is in regards to, you were talking about the two setups. Um, I mean, the setup for the actor. So they had they had alternate screens that they were using to watch their scene partner and interact with their scene partner. But then the iPhone is, you know, is the one that's capturing the moment in real time. Um, something that this show, I think, is a departure from some of the other Zoom theater that you see out there is typically you see actors addressing the camera straight on. And so when they're talking to their fellow actors, their look, their, their look, their eye contact is the camera. Uh, but this production, we, we shifted just a little bit. And so actors actually had focal points um, that were to the sides of the camera. Uh, we had to get that just right. And that was a whole process in and of itself. Right. But, that, but, the, but the artistic choice was to actually showcase more than just the actor's face close to the camera and actually more of their bodies as though they were standing on stage but then they're shifted just enough that they're kind of quote unquote, looking at each other on camera. Um, that's, re that's a really different take on what is a very common sort of thing right now in Zoom theater, but I wasn't part of that conversation. Do you, do you have any insight into just where that artistic choice was made? I mean, I think it really works, uh, but it, it was definitely a choice. Well, I think it naturally fell out of our desire to do a play, not a reading. Um, I think that conceit works when you're doing a reading. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's customarily people sitting at a, in a chair and music stands, you know, looking out at the audience. So that was a, a, a natural choice. Um, I think what we weren't prepared for until we started shooting and, and we set aside two weeks to shoot, which was Great. The actors clearly were a little bit um, concerned about that because, you know, we took a week away from their process, um, but it was necessary to do that. And we learned a lot from the, the rough cut about eye lines. And we initially set people up so that, you know, if we knew that they were on opposite sides of a coffee table, they would be more in profile if they were talking naturally. But what we ended up doing was adjusting that and um, made the same kind of choices that one would make if you were in a proscenium. You know, even if you are talking to someone who's standing by the stage right proscenium and you're standing by the stage left proscenium, you're still going to play out a little bit more. And we, we made those adjustments. Also, we ended up having to lift people's eyes, um, which was quite literally in some cases, people stacking boxes up underneath their music stand that had their iPad that had their uh, scene partner in it. Um, so, you know, there were, we show it a little bit during the curtain call. I mean, we pull back in air quotes, so that you can see people's uh, recording studios. But it was, you know, music stands and boxes stacked up and um, a big black drop, you know, in some cases in people's living rooms because that's where they have the space and the good light. Um, but, you know, we've had, people have been doing this now since March. I mean, the Bard project that you spoke of initially, they, 
pivoted immediately. Um, so we've been able to look at how other people do this and cherry pick what we liked and decide what we'd like to try and elevate. And, you know, it's sadly, there's a lot of content out there and we um, were able to uh, do a lot of research about what we like and what we, what we'd like to try and do a little bit better. I still think what we did um, is pretty revolutionary. I have not seen it in exactly the, the format and, and the way, the way um, our show, Lifespan of a Fact, was processed and edited. Um, I'd like to think that that will happen more, but I do think it's, it was pretty new. Getting away from Zoom was the best choice possible. It added, you know, many, many layers of difficulty, but Zoom is great for what it's good for, but not not producing theater. Right. I'll tell you, there's two special things about this project that, that have stuck with me the whole way. One is that Forward made a commitment to the artists that they had hired for their season, and that is appreciated, and it can't be understated how important that is to keep the economy going, to keep these artists employed, to keep uh, people working. And this collection of of designers was really nimble, creative, and willing to make that pivot. And theater artists are uh, nimble humans. You know, we solve problems. <laughs> we get into live theater and 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 figure out how to how to make things happen. And um, the spirit of that, the spirit of forward, uh, feeling the community of artists that they had brought together to make a play that we're still committed to make a play in whatever way we could, and the um, all of the artists be willing to go the extra mile and reinvent their process to fit this new world. Um, I think you feel that in the show. And I've heard from several of the designers that there is no one on this team they wouldn't look forward to working with again. That is very rare. <laughs> I can't remember the last time that happened. I think the stars aligned. I mean, we, you know, we hired these people a year and a half ago. And the fact that this was the group we had to say, okay, brand new world, we're, we're pivoting, we're going to do something different. And we had this group of individuals to do it was the perfect, they were the perfect people at this time. And thank goodness um, we had it. Well, you know, I work for a lot of presenting organizations, um, theater, opera, dance, and forward is always a favorite place. And I'm, I'm not just doing this because I have the floor here. It, forward treats um, their collaborators like collaborators. Um, and that sadly is still somewhat rare in our industry. And I can count on one hand the theater companies where I do look forward to um, going, um, regardless of what I'm getting paid, because I know I'm going to be treated with respect. And it, once you guys decided to um, go in a different direction, it was like, okay, great. Where are we going? Uh, thanks for having me along. So, and also it needs to be said that Forward is paying all of their contracts this coming season. 
uh, is there another company that's doing that paying as far as I know in full, not knowing what the show is going to be. Um, and that's incredible. So thank you forward theater sincerely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think that there are going to be people that, um, will be sad. They aren't seeing the show, uh, listen to this podcast, won't be able to see the show, but, um, there will be other shows and they will, there will be other shows with, with you, Noel and Kathy, because it is such a pleasure. It has been um, a true treat. And I am, again, I think I've said this three or four times already in this podcast. I am so proud of what we all did. Um, and thank you. And with that, I think um, we're going to, we're going to say uh, that's it for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, who wore so many hats during this, uh, this <laughs> production of Lifespan. Um, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, at Theater Forward, as always, with an ER. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in, and be sure to leave a review. We're grateful to have you listening, and we'll be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation. <laughs>